Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return to play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content that it provides, make sure you hop over and check out the all-new Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is a combination of the CVA SPS community and the Rugby Strength Coach community, bringing you what is sure to be the Internet's leading resource for continuing education for strength and conditioning professionals. Combining these two resources has allowed us to bring some of the best content from some of the best minds in the world together for your one-stop shop to better improve the continuing education for not just yourself, but your entire staff. Bringing together all of the lectures from the Rugby Strength Coach community, along with the lectures exclusively done for the Central Virginia Sport Performance community, and all the lectures performed at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar, make this an absolute must for performance coaches around the world. The world-class lectures at the Strength Coach Network are not all that you'll see as well. The discussion in the forums and the support and the career guidance from some of the top practitioners in the world, from people all over the world, makes this an absolute must and a great place for you to network, learn, and grow as a performance professional. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS, that's C-V-A-S-P-S, to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. We're sure you're going to find great value in the Strength Coach Network and are really excited to have you involved. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS to check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an absolutely killer talk with Thomas Hayuga talking about international basketball and the game in Europe and the NBA. Thomas is going to dive right in and give us kind of a background and how he got into coaching and then getting into the performance aspect of coaching, and then talk more about his travels and how his time in the NBA and the G League has really formulated how he handles players today. We then dive into his PhD and what he's looking for in that when it comes to travel fatigue, load monitoring, and actual training done in pro basketball. And we really finish off talking about the differences between European ball and the NBA and and how training isn't the only difference when it comes to how you're handling the players. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Thomas, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. Yeah, man. Well, listen, I'm, I'm fired up about this because I think that there's a lot going on over there with European ball that a lot of people don't understand over here on the other side of the pond. So before we get too far into it, let's Let's let people know who you are, where you're at, and uh, how you got there. Absolutely. Um, so I grew up here in Belgium. Uh, started playing basketball, I think, at the age of 10. So it's always been a little bit uh, of my life, I would say. Um, 
And then, you know, quickly transitions into uh, the first team. But that's really when I realized, you know, <laughs> physicality is a pretty big deal, especially, you know, I've never been really the tallest guy. And uh, uh, I remember the first day uh, playing, playing one of uh, the big boys, right? I was 18 at that age. And I took a charge, and I think I was at the opposite of the court, right? So <laughs> uh, that's that's a moment I'll never forget. And I remember that uh, making me, you know, realize to to hit the weight room more and 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 just, you know, work on my physicality. And obviously at that time I didn't really know what to do. Uh, tried every type of program, like you know, a lot of players I think can relate. And um, always had an NBA dream, but. Uh, you know, because I really got so passionate about the physicality and, and, and being in the weight room, I decided to do my master's uh, here in Ghent University uh, just to have a little bit more of a background, obviously, and uh, learning more how I could uh, build my own body more from a scientific standpoint. And remember, one of the, those requirements um, in doing this master's was to to coach, to, uh, to, to do a sort of practical internship but it's actually a full-time coaching job at the youth level and you know i really loved it really loved everything about it um i felt like you know instead of giving assists on the court i felt like you know sharing my knowledge and helping others from the sideline is as much fulfilling as you know playing on it and then you know i just decided to 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 hang up my shoes and uh go that route but here in europe uh i think a lot of coaches here this as well can relate a lot is you know we don't really have a strength conditioning coach, at least in a lot, a lot of clubs at the youth level and even at the professional level. So um, a lot of coaches are by themselves. So um, which is really, really, really a huge challenge because, you know, they have to take care of the tactical and technical preparation. Usually you know, at the professional level, you have an assistant to help you with scouting and everything. But, you know, from the physical standpoint, uh, you know, you, you got to make it happen. You know, you're doing your own warmups and, 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 and maybe if you're lucky, you can hire someone from an outsource uh, uh, as a part-time strength conditioning coach or, or, or have some uh, knowledge yourself. So from that end, I, w I just wanted to become a better basketball coach at that point. So I decided to go to the United States and, and still try to chase the dream to be in the NBA, but from another perspective, right? More from a coaching perspective. And if that wouldn't fall through or come through, then I would just come back. That was kind of the initial idea to bring all the knowledge and experiences back home. Um, but then the the problem was, you know, if you want to stay in the United States as, a, as at least speaking for, for Belgians or, or Europeans, um, you kind of have to have a, an obligation, which is, you know, either you're a student or you get a, a work visa. But as a tourist, you can only stay for a couple of months. So from that end, I was like, you know, what I'm going to do, you know, three months, I don't think is enough. I really want to spend some time there. I want to learn from great coaches and I want to learn how they approach everything. So um, the only really option was uh, saving up for another master's in uh, at the University of Oklahoma, uh, Central Oklahoma. And that's really where everything changed for me. Um, you know, I had the class there, strength development with uh, coach uh, Mrs. Jill Robinson, and she helped me with a lot of things. And she actually transitioned me into the strength conditioning field. And, you know, I remember one of the projects there was to present on one of the, you know, the Hall of Famers of, or pioneers, so to speak, in strength conditioning. And I remember I chose uh, Al Vermeil, um, and, and, you know, was for, you know, strength conditioning coach for Chicago Bulls, obviously. And, uh, 
you know, it all went so quickly, but uh, eventually the school helped me and she helped me to go uh, to the CSCCA conference. There I met Alvar Meal in person, um, you know, and, and I just fell in love completely with the strength conditioning field. And it all just clicked together, you know, um, from player to coach. And now this specific field, I didn't realize this is actually a job, you, you know, <laughs> this is actually a position. And so, you know, there went so many things through my mind, but um, I kind of loved it. But I also realized that I have to start from the bottom, right? Um, didn't really have that much experience in it, uh, even though uh, in the academic background. But from a practical standpoint, I had to learn so much more. So she recommended me also to start at the high school level. So that's what, which, uh, what I did at the University of Central Oklahoma. There's a school nearby, Edmund Memorial High School. And that's really where I started and transitioned into, you know, uh, University of uh, uh, Michigan basketball program, which was a big step for me and really an eye opener, you know, just not only from resource standpoint, but just uh, it's a, a big time program and, 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 and uh, you know, an incredible organization. And then all came to an end, unfortunately, it went all very fast. And then after three years, you know, I graduated um, and that that was it. But that was a really unfortunate because I wanted to stay. I wanted to stay in the United States. I wanted to work there. And I. Uh, apparently had one more opportunity to stay one more year to actually work. Um, so what I did is uh, uh, try to stay alive there because obviously uh, studies cost a lot here, especially compared to, to here. Um, so I saved up and, and I remember I, eventually I had a couple interviews, but the problem was, you know, at the collegiate level and there's a lot of visa uh, pr uh, processes that you have to go through. It's It's much easier to... Uh, take a job at the professional level because it's a little smoother to get your visa. But eventually I took a job actually in China, a basketball coaching job again. Um, so the last day before I left, I was actually at the airport. So I was going to leave to see my family for two weeks, which I hadn't seen for four years. Uh, and I remember that day I received a call in the evening. You know, I was at the airport and it was uh, a job uh, or an internship. Uh, that I applied for. And it was the Washington Wizards. And they called me and uh, my mentor there called me and said, hey, uh, are you interested in this position? I was like, dang it, just took a job. My flight is booked. Um, about to see my family. But hey, yes. So he said, we have a couple of candidates. Uh, I have a project for you. Uh, so he run, run down the project uh, with three questions. He said, uh, submit this to me as soon as possible. And uh, I canceled the flight, lost money, called my mom, said, hey, I'm going for this opportunity. Uh, this is my dream. This is the last shot I have. And so she, she was like, wow, this is kind of a change, right? And so I remember calling my professors, all my mentors from my school at the university in central Oklahoma. And uh, they said, hey, if, if they ask you to do this as soon as possible, I would do it as soon as possible. So I stayed up all night, 4 a.m. I submitted the project. And the same day, they called me, hey, you got the internship. So uh, two weeks later, I was in Washington, D.C., so uh, it's unbelievable, but that was one of the best experiences of my life, obviously, uh, working with, you know, players I grew up with, looking up to, uh, but then I soon enough realized that this is actually, a, you know, uh, let's get to work, you know, this is not longer a dream, this is reality right now, so uh, let's get head down and, and work, uh, work my butt off. And then so when the internship came to an end, um, there wasn't a position to extend, unfortunately. So I went back to Belgium for a couple of months. But the great thing there was we played uh, the play in the playoffs. We played the Atlanta Hawks. And so I reached out to as many coaches as I could because I understood, you know, networking is a huge 
part of, you know, obviously getting a position. And uh, the director of performers out there, um, rehabilitation, is uh, uh, Mike Roncarati. And so we sit down in uh, Starbucks, had a great quick conversation right before a game against the Atlanta Hawks. And it just felt right, you know, very honest, straightforward conversation. And it was really cool that someone, you know, in this high position wanted to help and, and uh, you know, share his knowledge and et cetera. And I remember then five months later, I was in Belgium, received a call for a potential position with the NBA G League last year um, uh, for the Erie Bayhawks, which is the affiliate of the Atlanta Hawks. And obviously, I would leave everything behind and uh, and go for that opportunity. So then we went through the interview part process and uh, eventually was there. And then last year, you know, we had a pretty good season um, um, in the NBA G League. Went back to Belgium again. And then problem was, if you're working at such a high level at the NBA or NBA G League, any other projects, you kind of have to put it on the side because it's a 24-7 commitment. So I was diving into a PhD already. I was diving into other projects and I wanted to help much more people, not just, uh, you know, my 12 players, which is awesome because that's the main responsibility. But I felt like the need in Europe and the need for other coaches to know more, that was also something that, you know, uh, I'm super passionate about. So I decided to come back, uh, got an opportunity here with the team in Belgium, um, professional team. And now... I actually have a lot of time to do other projects as well, which I really like to do, um, you know, help other clubs, consulting with other clubs and uh, kind of feeling in the same position when I was a coach and they didn't really have any help. So I, that's kind of where I want to help help as well. So, uh, yeah, really loving what I'm doing right now and uh, hopefully getting uh, getting the research out there is also something I'm super passionate about. So, so that's uh, hopefully I put a little quick rundown, but a lot of obviously stories and ups and downs that go along this whole journey but that's a little bit of a quick rundown no man i love it and i i think one thing that's really unique uh that i think that would be a good rabbit hole to run down is you know going from european ball back to the league and back to european ball you know what right. are some of those primary differences that you've seen when it comes to the preparation of those athletes Absolutely. I think that's a great, great question because that's um, that's a huge difference. First of all, I think it's a different sport. Like it's just different regulations, different rules. And we see it often. We have uh, actually a guy who played for the Charlotte Hornets G League uh, team last year and he's with us right now. And you can see oftentimes whether it goes from travels, you know, uh, traveling uh, on the court or any type of rule, he has to adapt. And and and. I think the biggest difference between European ball and NBA is is there's a lot of tradition here. Um, you know, there's a mentality and, and uh, that that's sometimes old school, but also it depends from club to club, obviously. But um, I would say, for example, coaches have such a traditional habits. Players have such a traditional habits that you have to be really aware of which culture you're stepping in. Obviously, that, that accounts for the NBA as well. That's everywhere. But to give you an example, last year I was working with the NBA G League. There's so many changes every year, right? Almost every year. And uh, last year it was pretty much an entire new staff. So we were completely new, uh, new medical staff, new players. So we kind of could do what we wanted to do, obviously, as a team at, together, you know, in, in collaboration with everyone. But we kind of have like uh, carte blanche, a carte blanche, right? 
while here I'm stepping into a team that's been a champion for the last seven years. So <laughs> they're seven time consecutive champions here in Belgium. Uh, they're extremely successful and their strength coach was here for 22 years. Uh, it was actually one of my professors at the university. So, um, which is, uh, you know, the first thing I was thinking when I take this job, I'll be as, uh, as observant as I can. And, and uh, um, because their culture, I don't want to be the guy who's like, okay, this is not really uh, optimal, right? Or this science says it opposite wise, you know, we should change this. First thing I'm trying to do is, okay, let's observe. And maybe there's some things I can still learn from, right? Maybe this does work that the science still has to catch up on. You know, it's not a perfect, perfect world. And, you know, to give you an example, you know, that a lot of teams in Europe still, you know, the long team static stretches before games, which is, you know, obviously there's not too much research that supports this. But, you know, on the other hand, I kind of thought about, thought about it more. And what I see is that their static stretches that we've been doing is actually each stretch is only lasting for eight seconds, right? And it's such a habit and such a tradition and such a culture where our captain, the captain of our team is actually 35, 36 years old. He's really a legend out here. You know, that's how they really consider him. And so who am I to really take that completely away? So, you know, what I'm trying to do, uh, trying to implement a little bit is to change the first eight minutes of the warm-up to kind of implement a little bit of a neural prep, more individual, individual, individualization, et cetera, et cetera. So like really small steps uh, towards the direction I would like them to, to be, but still without completely changing their culture. Because at the end of the day, that's really big time out here. Uh, we're not, to be completely realistic, we're not dealing with NBA players. You know, so there's a lot of other components that comes to winning here. You know, it's it's... There's talent, but, you know, the mental aspect, the cultural aspect. And I always try to see it as a more holistic picture rather than, okay, I'm the strength conditioning coach and I want to do this and I want to do this, right? It's, 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 it's really stepping back a little bit. So, um, yeah, I would say it's a complete different sport. It's a complete different approach. Um, and so, yeah, I always try to be super observant. And I'm still learning every day, to be honest. So don't try to uh, skip steps. Absolutely not. So. No, man, I think we're all learning a little bit more every day. And and I think that one thing that you're doing right now that's really intriguing to me is working on that PhD while you're coaching. So let's dive down that a little bit too. What are you looking at? Why did you choose that? And what are you hoping to to kind of provide based on what you're looking at? Right. So together with my mentor, Julio Coleja Gonzalez, he's been in the field of sports science for basketball specifically for I think 30 plus years, um, I think has over 500 publications just purely in basketball. And, you know, having a conversation with him while I was uh, working and studying in the United States, it really came to a realization that actually compared to other sports, there's not a huge ton of information, scientific information out there on basketball specifically. And if they are, they're mostly in, you know, conducted in Spain, um, Australia, etc. But on NBA basketball, and obviously there's a lot of reason that goes behind that, you know, with the player bargaining agreement and then, you know, the protection of, of data, etc. But there's not much information out there, which, um, you know, on NBA basketball performance and strength conditioning, which forces coaches and sports scientists often to kind of relate 
uh, to other sports, uh, and particularly in basketball, you know, looking at acute chronic workloads, for example. Well, if you don't really know how this applies to NBA basketball, we have to kind of look at the closest way. And sometimes that's ACB basketball, for example, or, you know, there's a couple of great studies on GPS technology and ACB basketball. But the problem is that, like I said, European basketball is a pretty different sport. <laughs> so if you kind of relate that back to NBA basketball, I, I think the reliability and accuracy is still, you know, questionable. And so that's kind of my, my purpose behind my PhD to kind of build up uh, four parts. The first part is on travel fatigue, because that's obviously a big, uh, a big deal in the NBA uh, with all the travels and the travel schedules. Uh, which has recently been published, actually. It's a narrative review. It's a, a short review on team sports traveling and what that does to you know, the athletes' bodies and what we can do to mitigate that fatigue. And then the second part is actually now under, under revision for the Journal of Strength Conditioning is a systematic review on NBA basketball. And that's really uh, a two-year work that I've been working on uh, uh, the last two years is collecting all the research that has been um, conducted on or around NBA basketball. And I think we have about 67 articles that have been conducted in NBA basketball. So that's not a huge ton. It's still, I think uh, it'll be a great reference, I think, for, to build up future studies and uh, just a, a collection of everything that has been done yet. But I think it's, it's much needed um, to kind of have a baseline. So coaches, uh, strength conditioning coaches, high-performance specialists, or however you want to call it, can build off uh, the information collected. Um, so, and the thing is that we've also learned from the study is that uh, a lot of these studies are purely descriptive, right? Not many interventions, which is sometimes hard to do, but uh, it's also been proven that it's actually possible. I think uh, Coach Bill Burgos with the Orlando Magic, there's one great study out there that measured... Uh, jumpability between uh, high-minute guys and low-minute guys, starters and non-starters in the NBA. And just conducting a test before and after the season uh, proves that it's actually possible. Uh, it just has to be, you know, it can be a simple study. It's just about how can we make it happen and how can we provide more, more, more information for not just for their own team, but for the entire strength conditioning community that works in the NBA and around that. So... And then the last two steps of uh, the last two parts of my thesis will be a short intervention. So I'm now I'm talking with a couple NBA G League coaches because I think the NBA G League might be a little more feasible to conduct such studies uh, to kind of do a quick intervention to see, OK, um, can we identify fatigue in games and can we identify fatigue before and after a flight? Because, there, again, there's not much out there on travel fatigue. And so if you could do a couple studies, maybe neuromuscular fatigue measurements, that could be as simple as a balance test, right? A proprioceptive test before and after a flight. I think that's some great data that maybe we can build up on later on. Obviously, that won't be a <laughs> I hate conclusions, right? Just uh, strict conclusions from the research. But it's a great piece of information that we can build up on later on. And so, yeah, something I'm super passionate about and hopefully uh, – we'll get this thing moving uh, uh, along the way. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge to combine with my job, obviously, but uh, it's, if, 
if it's passion, you just, just whatever, uh, whatever it takes, just, uh, I'm just unconscious about it. Just keep going. And, uh, <laughs> it's before, you know, the next day starts already and, uh, it's a grind, but I, if you love what you're doing, I think it's, it's definitely possible. And, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I, what I'm really interested to see is what those will then lead to, because, you know, when you look at even colleges, like we've got, our guys will be, have the opportunity to be on four flights in a week and just looking at, okay, if there is these fatigue markers that you guys see and you, you find in these evaluations and what's leading to it, is it, is it a dehydration factor? Is it simply Absolutely, just yeah. travel in general? Like what is actually the, the factors that we now, um, as professionals need to look at and then where also it's, you know, with you getting your PhD in high performance, I mean, obviously the medicine side is going to be involved in that too. And, and all of that working together is really intriguing to me. Absolutely. I hundred percent agree. I think um, approaching it from a holistic standpoint is always number one key. I think we can't just go off and you're a muscular fatigue parameter because like you said, it could be a, it could be a psychological issue. It could be a, uh, a physiological metabolic issue. Uh, it could be anything, right? There's so many factors that you have to incalculate. So the more, the better, but, we also realize that, you know, if you're in strength and issue coach or sports scientist in the NBA or NBA G League, there's a, there's only so much time to con- collect data. And it's all it always has to be practical, too. Right. You can't have uh, a guy doing 100 jumps, maximal effort before a flight and after a flight. That'd be great because then you can right measure left left uh, leg jumps, right leg jumps, drop jumps. You know, you can pretty much measure everything, but we don't want to measure just for the sake of measuring. So I think. Even having one parameter in each category, you know, let's say just a simple survey of five questions for, you know, the psychological standpoint, just maybe one couple, uh, one measurement for the neuromuscular standpoint, maybe just a jump or a proprioceptive one, maybe one for, you know, metabolic one is as simple as heart rate, uh, uh, variability or, or along those lines, right? As long as we stay holistic, I think it helps us draw a picture. Um, but I 100% agree. There's many factors that we need to take account to. And I think it goes back to basic educations too. You know, I always, I don't like to overcomplicate things. I think the relationship with your players and you hear it often, I think is always number one. You know, lately I've been reading a lot about blue light exposure and just the, the power of it in combination with, you know, activity and food. So recently I, um, I read an article about, you know, just three basic things. You know, when you wake up, you need three things actually to get your, uh, get your day going and be really active that day. And it is just a meal early an activity early and some blue light exposure. So it's like, you can, obviously you don't want to oversimplify it, but if you're taking care of these three basic things, I think that goes a long way without digging too deep into, you know, the, the edges or the really complicated stuff. Because to be honest, I haven't had uh, a lot, a lot of players who are perfect on all of those, right? So there's always something that they're lacking a little bit. You know, for example, one of our players out here, you know, he's he, 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 he lifts great, great athlete, um, compliance, does everything you ask for, but always feels tired. And we measured, you know, his blood parameters, all looks fantastic right and we try to dig deeper and deeper and deeper and we couldn't find anything but we what we realized is true you know my relationship with him and a lot of conversations is that he's a guy who likes to stay inside you know obviously the weather's not always great in belgium 
but he likes to stay inside a lot of times, play video games, but he never comes outside. And, um, you know, it's always dark inside his room because we ask more questions about that. And then lately, a couple of weeks ago, we said, hey, you know, you know what? You're going to walk to the beach because we have a beach close by, even if it's snowing right now or it's cold. You're going to make a walk uh, because there's enough time to do that before practice and everything. You're going to make a walk, come back to your room and do whatever you want to do. And actually, it ha- has helped him a whole ton. Uh, in terms of feeling more or less fatigue. And now he's feeling much more energetic. And we haven't changed much around it. Um, Like I said, it was really surprising. For me, it was really interesting because everything looked good. He lifted good. Um, He ate pretty solid. Uh, uh, You know, he slept really well. Always had seven or nine hours of sleep. Always woke up the same time. So, but he was always around a dark, dark area and always staying inside. And it could be as simple as that, kind of re-educating that and re-emphasizing that. And maybe you find some answering there. Not saying that was the perfect answer. Could be a lot of things, you know, but, you know, I'm just, just, I'm just more aware of those things that, you know, could be simple things. And again, it leads back to relationships, you know, just your conversation with the athlete. So a thousand percent. And I think that really the biggest point there is that low hanging fruit can feed a lot of people, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it also affects other players because, you know, you know, when someone maybe in the future, you relate back to this type of story or this type of situation, you can relate back to that player because if another player in your team is saying or emphasizing or encouraging that, I think it's even more powerful than a coach does, right? Because we're not living in their bodies and we're not playing professional. Uh, They are. And so if their teammates is actually saying, hey, you should really try that because it has helped me so much. I think that's that, that you know, get the ball rolling. And it's a little bit of a, a vicious circle there. So, No doubt about um, it, brother. No doubt about it. And that peer pressure or that peer influence is always huge uh, when it comes to impacting those behaviors and getting these guys to go in the directions we'd want. Absolutely. Going digging a little deeper in that, that's that's why you know kind of learned over the years that I'm trying to go for my main guys first to kind of build buy-in. Obviously, you want to build buy-in from everyone, certainly. But you know, for example, we have a captain out here who's 34 years old, right? A little bit of age, um, has been the clutch player each each playoffs each year, and he's really the main guy, right? But if you can get him along your side, because everyone respects him so much in this team. You know, he's always the first and last to leave the court or he's always the guy who breaks down the hurdle. He's always, you know, everyone listens when he speaks. So if you can get him along your side, that goes a long way. And maybe earlier in my career, I would more just focus on everyone and then in the same amount of time and, and try to do everything at the same time. And now I'm a little bit more cautious about that because of just the, the rule of leverage those guys have within a team. So... No doubt about it, man. You got to take care of those that take care of you, and you got to make sure that that the the big gunners are the ones that are taking care of the most. Hundred percent, absolutely. So, Thomas, let me get you out of here on this, man. Where, where can people find more about you? Where can they see what you're working on here, and and where can they go to 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 learn more? Sure, um, uh, I'm mostly active on Instagram. I'm not. Uh, I don't use too many platforms. Just try to. Maybe I should pick up my Twitter game a little bit, but Instagram is mostly where I'm at, and it's Coach underscore Thomas, but instead of an S at the end, it's a Z. Uh, so Coach underscore Thomas with a Z. So <laughs> that's where they can find me mostly. 
Um, if they shoot me a personal message, I'll always get back to them because um, that's the platform. That's kind of why, why I, I'm only on that platform, so I can message everyone. And uh, if they if they ask my email, they can always email me as well. So, so yeah. Fantastic, brother. Truly appreciate your time. This is sensational. People are going to love it. Absolutely. It was my pleasure, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. And we'll be in touch real soon. Absolutely. Take care. And a huge thanks to Thomas Hayuga for spending the time with us today. Guys, open, honest, candid sharing. A guy sharing his whole tour from Belgium to the States and back. What he sees within the game. What he sees within the players. How he's looking at developing players. And how he's looking to give back to help all of us be better. Thomas, I can't thank you enough for all you're doing. Keep up the great work, man. Uh, we really appreciate all that you're doing out there. And guys, as always, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, we're just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.